to the Career Conversations with Vicki podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Mueller Espinosa. I'm a career strategist and meet fascinating and accomplished people who have amazing career stories. In this podcast, I'll introduce you to friends, coworkers, and acquaintances so you can hear their career tips, tricks, and strategies. I'm excited to introduce you to them and their stories. I hope you'll be inspired and excited to apply what you learn to your own career. Today, my guest is Ross Balf. Ross is a senior manager of learning and development at LAM Research, who enjoys working with individuals and teams to make them more productive and connected. Ross is a Gallup-trained and certified StrengthsFinder coach who has spent time with more than 5,000 people and 300 teams, helping them interpret and utilize their natural talents. Today, we'll talk about StrengthsFinder 2.0 and Ross's tips and tricks for how to utilize the assessment information to enable your career. So, Ross, welcome. Thank you, Vicki. Glad to be here. And I'm excited to be talking to you today since both of us share this uh, love for finding the strengths and talents in our coworkers and in ourselves, quite frankly. That's right. So I have um, a quick question. Let's start with how and when did you decide to become a StrengthsFinder coach? Yeah, so it was back in about 2013 when I was doing some work around technical training in the particular group that I was supporting. And randomly, some of those groups started to ask for the StrengthsFinder assessment and what we could do to offer that. And at the time, Gallup was charging something like $10,000 for a half-day session to come in and work on individual results and, and team coaching. And at that point, to my recollection, there was maybe 15 or 16 million people had at that point completed the assessment. And so Gallup had just started to offer back in 2013 a coaching certification program. And for less than the cost of what one workshop would have, uh, have cost, I flew out to Washington, D.C. and spent a full week on a deep dive with the StrengthsFinder assessment. I would definitely say that it's one of the best uh, quality certification programs that I've gone through. We went through all 34 of the themes. We talked about the philosophy of StrengthsFinder, um, the accuracy and the repeatability of the assessment, and then certainly how to provide individual coaching and team coaching as well. So in the last, I guess, six years, I've had a chance to come back and uh, immediately implemented that within uh, Intel and worked with thousands of people on their individual results and as word spread on the team component to where you can actually look at how your results map, um, not only how you can become more effective, but how they can interact with other people um, and you can leverage respect, value, and understand the natural talents of your teams, that's where the magic started to happen. So through word of mouth, uh, those one or two sessions became dozens and dozens, and the next thing I knew, um, I'd been spending time with hundreds of teams on their on their results. That's really cool. And I know you and I have spoken about my StrengthsFinder results, and found I found that to be very enlightening, especially as we talk to our top five, and what we have in what you call the middle drawer, right? Can you talk a little bit about the middle drawer or the drawer concept for strengths? Absolutely, yes. So a lot of people uh, in the beginning would grab the StrengthsFinder book and maybe use the scratch-off code and get their top five. And that's a great starting point. 
But Gallup research indicates that we actually navigate the world more with our top 10. And so by looking, if, if you think of this uh, three-drawer toolbox analogy, uh, we have this phrase that we use in a lot of the StrengthsFinder classes that if you think of your top 10, these are the things that come to you with ease, excellence, and enjoyment. And what I love about StrengthsFinder is that for most people, their results resonate with them because you do have 34 different themes that can float up into those top five or those top ten. And so one of my favorite statistics around StrengthsFinder is the odds of two people having the same top five in the same order is over one in 30 million. So when you look at your top five or your top ten, this is really your unique secret sauce and the way that you navigate the world. And by getting a chance to use those on a regular basis, that ease, excellence, and enjoyment translates into really employee engagement and motivation. Those people that do get a chance to use those talents on a regular basis are measurably more productive in the work that they do. They're more connected to their team and to the work that they do. So this three-drawer toolbox is really, if you think about your top 10, if there are 34 themes, that is big ease, excellence, and enjoyment. If you think of a three-circle Venn diagram, comes to you easily, you're really good at it, and you really enjoy it. But if there's 34 themes, there's this concept of a middle drawer that says, by the way, there's a whole bunch of these things that you can do, and you're perfectly competent in this space, but they don't bring you the energy and excitement enthusiasm of those top 10. So your manager may ask you to come use one of those things in the middle drawer, and for, you know, for this conversation, maybe that's number 11 through, I don't know, 28 or 29. And your manager may come and ask you to use one of those, and you absolutely can do that. You know, uh, and if you think of that three-circle Venn diagram, maybe it comes to you easily and you're really good at it, but you've been doing that for a really long time, so your enjoyment circle is a little bit smaller. So you've got a bunch of those variations in the middle drawer of, yes, I'm competent in that space. But then we also, if you want to use StrengthsFinder to its full extent, I always love to, to work with people on their bottom five. We call this that bottom drawer. And by the time you get down here, ease, excellence, and enjoyment is very small. These are not the things that we enjoy to do. They take energy away from us. And again, they're going to be very different from person to person. And so to fully utilize the StrengthsFinder assessment, um, I often will work with people on their bottom five, not for them to feel bad about that or to be embarrassed by their bottom five, but we talk about we don't get to ignore this bottom drawer, but rather the goal for those bottom five is competence and not mastery. Gallup says we're never going to be fantastic at those. Those are never going to work their way up to our top drawer because of that ease, excellence, or enjoyment limitation. So to use the, the assessment fully is to look at those bottom five and say, you know, I want to be just good enough at these so that they don't get in the way because I want to spend more time up in that middle drawer and most of my time up in the top drawer. I love that. I love that analogy. I love the idea of just getting competent and not really focusing too much on it because I do believe that we should spend most of our time or as much as we possibly can in those top five uh, because that's where we're going to make the most difference and do the most um, that makes us happy and also makes us the most productive in our work. Yeah, it's going to be easier and we're going to enjoy it more and the quality of work on the back end is going to be much better. So you're absolutely right. All right, so let's talk about those folks that are listening that have taken the StrengthsFinder assessment. Maybe it's been a few years, maybe it was at the beginning of their career, or maybe it was in a different role. Uh, what do you recommend? Should they pull out those old results? Should they spend 14 bucks and take it again? Um, what should they do to get back into understanding their strengths? 
That's a great question. It's it's one of the most common that I'm asked in general of, hey, I've, I took this a while ago. You know, when should I take it? And and the other part of that question is, what can I expect in terms of the results changing over time? And so, uh, you know, I think they just eclipsed the 22 million mark for the number of times that this assessment has been taken. And you'll notice when I say that, that it's not 22 million people have taken this. So there are many, many examples of people that have gone back and taken the assessment multiple times, maybe through different teams, maybe through some sort of graduate school, maybe just on their own. And in short, the philosophy is that if you picture sort of a, a tree analogy, I talk about this in my workshops, if you picture a tree analogy with its root system, and that root system is really people's individual core values, the things that they hold non-negotiably important in their lives, right? They, they sort of grow up and they figure out what's the most important to them. And over time, that root system of core values will manifest itself into really their top 10. So remember those those themes that we're talking about are a collection of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And so over time, your top 10 will sort of manifest into those branches of the tree, if you will. And what we found time and time and time again is that when people retake the assessment, um, their top 10 will generally stay the same. They'll just wiggle around a little bit in order. So maybe they start a new job. Maybe they join a new team. Maybe they start a new relationship or physically move somewhere, and they need to utilize one of those other uh, talents. So maybe their old number four now becomes their number one. So that's why when I work with people on their top 10 that I think of it more holistically because if people argue and say, well, gosh, my, that number five really should be my number one, Oftentimes, I'll look back and say, well, that's great, because next week it probably will be, right? So we're thinking holistically of those top 10 that they wiggle around a little bit in order, but generally won't change that much over time. Now, the one variation to that, Vicki, is that when, uh, as Gallup has worked with people that have had a major life event happen, and it can be positive or negative. Maybe they got married. Maybe they got divorced. Maybe they had children. Um, maybe they had a, a near-death experience or they lost a loved one. Sometimes that can have people to pause, and if you go back to that tree analogy, they'll think about their root system that fundamentally changes those core values because of that life event. And through that, I've had people um, that have had significantly different results. I'll share a quick uh, real story with you that I, I did a coaching session uh, with an engineer from Intel um, who had just been given a clean bill of health after a three-year bout with cancer. And he was his, you know, we had his previous results. They were very achiever, activator, let's go, let's go, let's go. He got sick. He kind of slowed down and reevaluated the way that he looked at the world. Um, and I had him retake those, the assessment. And while some of his results were still the same, so he still loved to learn. He still loved to analyze information, but what you saw was his old numbers, you know, those low middle drawer and even bottom drawer suddenly come up to the top um, that his relationship themes now were the, uh, up in those branches. They were now in his top 10. They were now the way that he naturally navigated the world. So usually they're going to stay the same over time unless you have a major life event happen, and that's really the only time uh, that we see major changes. And to be very specific, my guideline over the last few years has been around the two-year mark. If you've taken the assessment more than two years ago, you can certainly go back and look holistically at that set of results. Um, but around every two years, I encourage people to go back and retake the assessment and just out of curiosity, see how those things have changed over time. Oh, it might be time for me to redo it. I think it's been a little while. 
So, well, you, you, you do that and then you call me and we'll definitely talk. All about right. Those. That sounds awesome. So let's flip it around. Is there any time when StrengthsFinder is not a good option as a, an assessment for us to learn more about our strengths? Are there any circumstances where it's not useful or maybe even detrimental to what we're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think StrengthsFinder, if, if I look back over the thousands of people I've spent time with, I mean, whether people had individual goals or whether they were just feeling a little bit wiggly in their current roles and they were wanting to either more intentionally use their talents in their current role or they were more actively looking at, I don't think I want to do this anymore, but I'm not sure where to go to next. I think that StrengthsFinder, for the most part, has always been a you know, a good tool for people to understand themselves. Um, you know, I think I, I've always been careful in my career not to oversubscribe that. In other words, I don't use it every single time that I do a coaching session with someone. And I guess an example, like I'm not sure that I can think of a time where it would be detrimental, um, but I'm not sure that it would be the first tool that I would go to if you were having a coaching uh, engagement with an individual and there was really some transformational change that you wanted to uh, to make. You know, they had some goals that were really going to um, that they really needed to focus on and have some some big transformational change. Um, you know, I think in the beginning uh, you would want to focus on um, you know how, what what are the impediments that are in the way, what is preventing them from getting to where they want to be uh, before I would introduce any assessments at that time. So it's more maybe around timing. So if I'm sitting there wanting to know about myself and where I am today, uh, StrengthsFinder is a great tool. If I'm thinking more futuristically or more in a planning mode, uh, maybe it's not the appropriate tool. Well, again, it depends. I think if you're thinking about your next career move, whether it's six months or a year from now, I think StrengthsFinder is a wonderful tool to use forward-looking because it does give you sort of a compass of where to aim because the last thing we want is for people that are looking to change careers to run away from something we want to get them in the position of running to something and oftentimes they can help define what that is by thinking about okay if these are my natural talents and I'm not getting a chance to use these in my current role um, as I start to consider that next role, I want to make darn sure that I'm able to use those and have the opportunity to use those in a future role. It can become part of their litmus test as they consider future options. I really like that. I think that's a great idea. So if uh, people are now interested in StrengthsFinder, where do they learn more about the assessment and get additional resources? Yeah, I mean, I think that this has become such a movement now, certainly by going to the GallupStrengthCenter.com is your starting point. Um, instead of purchasing the book that a lot of people have done for the last decade or so, a lot of people will just go online and purchase a code, and that code is how they can access and complete the assessment. Uh, the assessment has not changed over the last 15 years. It's 177 questions. Would you rather go here? Would you rather go there? Would you rather do this? Would you rather do that? And at the end of the day, after you complete those questions, it will give you um, your top, you know, you, you have the option of just getting your top five. You can put the same assessment, but you can either just get your top five or you can get your full 34. Gallup understands the value of that full 34, so they've actually dramatically dropped the price for people to get in and actually dig into their full 34 so that they can look at that top 10 and think about their bottom five. 
After you complete the assessment online, uh, Gallup has done a fantastic job of creating some action, uh, action guides and reports that will help you interpret and figure out what do I do with these next. Uh, so there are several reports. Um, one of the things, again, that I love around that they've done lately is, you know, 10 years ago, Vicki, if you and I both had Learner show up in our top five, we would have got a pretty stock answer or description. A learner does this, a learner does that. The reports now are very detailed to individuals, which means that you may learn more through the traditional classroom and books, and I may learn more through people. And so the reports now are individualized, and yours will look very different than mine. It gets you a chance uh, even if you don't, even if you're a little curious, like, you know, most people will look at their top 10 and feel like that's spot on. But if there's one or two that show up, um, you know, you may look at that and say, wow, that's, I, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. And it gives you, uh, sort of some, some reflection and pause. Do I have a tool in that top drawer? that comes to me with ease, excellence, and enjoyment that I didn't know about. Um, so you can definitely engage online with those reports. There are also a bunch of books that are out there. The StrengthsFinder 2.0 was really the initial, um, uh, you know, now just go discover your strengths. Um, there's even a strengths-based parenting book that's out. Uh, strengths-based leadership is a book uh, that uh, really takes each of the 34 themes and talks about how do you lead with um, – analytical how do you lead with relator how do you lead with woo and so it's really cookbook style where you can go through and see um, because at the end of the day there is no magic top set of results that are attributed to leaders um, Clifton was very specific to say that the what really differentiated leaders was that those people that you know really intentionally used their results and knew which ones to use at the right time is what differentiated them uh, as a leader and the last one I would say is that there, the, the movement across YouTube has been uh, uh, huge as well. Uh, so you can go onto YouTube and, and just type in the Gallup's uh, Strength Finder. Um, they have officially, I think, transitioned the name to this to the, the Clifton Strengths is now the name of the assessment. Um, but they do everything from theme Thursdays where somebody will call in and talk to the Gallup folks about, hey, Relator is my number one. This is what it means to me. They have people that call in and talk about uh, teams. Um, there's, there's a lot of videos uh, in YouTube that you can go and learn about the assessment as well. I think that's wonderful. I think one of the things that I love the most about it and what I have used as well is making sure that um, I have people on my team that have uh, corresponding strengths with mine, the ones that help activate me or help push me uh, further. And I loved the, the, there was a little, I think it's a chart that sort of shows you who you need to surround yourself with to be your best self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if we look back to our conversation around competence, I mean, that doesn't mean, Vicki, that if you look at your bottom five, that you need to learn how to do those things. We talk all the time that one of the benefits of StrengthsFinder is recognizing the differences in the way that people approach the world. And competence can just as much be of I value and respect the difference that somebody brings to the table. I always use the, the examples of activator and deliberative. So you have the activator, which is picking up the ideas and turning them into action. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And if you have an activator and a deliberative, 
on the same team and the deliberative says, hold on, slow down, I need to think about this for a couple of days, um, over time, those two can actually sort of irritate each other and cause conflict. And so teams that I work with will pause and look for those opportunities to say, I'm not asking you to become deliberative. I'm just asking you from a competence standpoint to recognize that that person brings value to the team because they can sort of be the parachute to slow us down a little bit. And how do we come up with a compromise that says, okay, I'm go, 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 you're slow down and think about it. How do we compromise with that value and respect that each of that's the way that we navigate the world? Remember, we don't do those things to irritate each other. Go back to that tree analogy. This is how we were built, and it's in our DNA to behave this way. So a compromise for your activator and deliberative might be, hey, you know, deliberative, I want to recognize and I value the fact that you need to think about this and make sure we don't, you know, that we're heading off in the right direction. Um, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Uh, let's wait until Friday, but Friday at noon, we're going to pull the trigger and we're going to make a decision. Because otherwise, the activator wants to go now and the deliberative person wants to wait until next March. And so how do we find the, com- how do we find the compromise to where we're utilizing each other's strength? Because as you said, you want to surround yourself with other people. The worst thing that we can do is to take somebody's tool out of their hand. So by telling somebody that it's not important or please stop doing that or, you know, that is so irritating, you take the tools out of their hand, they are now losing their engagement and connection and that ease excellence and enjoyment in the contribution to the team. And that's when people, it's so deep, Vicki, it's so inherent that people want to be able to use those natural talents that if they can't use them in their current situation, then it's very natural for people to start looking around to say, well, if I can't use it here, where's another place that I can use that? And so I always used to, I always like to start with people to say, don't just assume maybe you're in the wrong position. Opportunity is the first lens, but then it's intention. And so can you still stay in the same job in the same role that you're doing right now, but you're just using the wrong tools? And if you were to pick up a tool that you do use well, you can actually, you know, accomplish the same thing by using a different tool. And that takes us into making sure that we're um, thinking in diverse ways and we're allowing diversity of thought and behavior uh, in our teams, right? So understanding each other's strengths, uh, knowing what to call it, what it looks like, helps us open up to the possibility that there are multiple ways um, that people show up and use those strengths each day. Absolutely. I mean, the best example of all the teams I ever worked with, the most amazing example was I've worked with one sales team, and it was a team of 10 or 12 people that all literally did the exact same job. And yet when we mapped their results across the four different domains, uh, you would have thought that they all did, com- you know, they were from completely different walks of life with complete different backgrounds. Some people were successful through, you know, sales, through managing the relationship domain. Others were great at the execution domain, but they all were successful and all got the same job done. They got to the top of a mountain through a, a, a different way. And that really was the best visual for me that says, you know, the, the wrong way to use StrengthsFinder is to look at your results and say, oh, I bet I would be good in marketing. Oh, I bet I would be a good engineer. It's really looking at what is your role and what is the work that you're doing. And then those, again, that intentionally use their talents on a regular basis, not everyone every day. You know, we, we, we are going to have to lean into that middle drawer once in a while. But by starting in that top drawer 
and trying to get to you know to to the top of the mountain with our unique um, approach. That's really where the uh, the magic of the assessment happens. I love it. So I'm just going to give a little tip to our listeners. If you're wondering um, how to find your strengths and you started with Strengths Finder, another way for you to think about it is what comes easily to you. When do you sit and maybe brush off a thank you or something because you're like, well, that was really easy. It wasn't a big deal. That's usually you identifying your strength and um, sometimes belittling it. Sometimes we belittle them because it is easy. It is enjoyable. It doesn't feel like work. Um, that's how you know that you're utilizing your strengths. That's right. And it reminds me of one of the things we talk about in the workshop as well around you've got to be careful because we're talking about how great these strengths are. But at the end of the day, just like with everything else in life, we've got to be careful of misuse or overuse of these strengths. And so, you know, you, you may take e each of the we call these balconies and basements in Gallup terminology. And so we want you to use the right tools at the right time uh, so that you are enjoying them and being productive. But you've got to be careful because each one of the 34 talents has a potential basement or a misuse or overuse. And I always pick on myself, Vicki, and you and I have known each other a long time. Empathy shows up in my top five. Mm -hmm. And as a active career coach in my previous company, there were days where I could overuse that empathy tool and I would have four or five, six coaching sessions in one day. And you can, you can visualize me picking up my empathy hammer and using it all day, all day, all day. By the time I got done at the end of the day, I was exhausted. Um, and so, and then it takes a while for you to really grow that enjoyment circle again. So you can definitely overuse some of these. And the intention is you want to have positive intent around these as well. So, you know, to use your competition theme or your self-assurance theme, you want to use those with the spirit of goodness in mind as you're approaching those. But watch for those basements when they can sometimes get in the way. I think that's a really good uh, final reminder for our listeners. I want to thank you, Ross, for spending some time with me talking about StrengthsFinder and how we can use it in our daily work. Uh, I want to thank the audience for listening, and um, thanks for coming to Career Conversations with Vicki. We'll be back again with another session and another topic that's career development focused, and I look forward to talking to you then. So thanks again, Ross. Thank you, Vicki. I really enjoyed the time.